0: frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown american drink go to grown american superfood.com forward slash john and order today
1: what makes a life a good one is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect defend and save what you believe in every single day So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more, but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit gocoastguard.com to learn more.
2: This is the John Fugelsang Podcast.
0: This is Sirius XM Progress, Channel 127. I'm John Fugelsang. Thank you, Dean Obadala. You know, one of the nicest things about being at this channel is actually having a live lead-in show. I didn't have that at the last channel. It was like infomercials or some nonsense. I get to follow the excellent Mr. Obadala and then drag the entire channel down to my base level. And I'm so glad you're here for it. For the next three hours, we're coming at you with fun, with facts, with empathy. With some pretty good music and with some fantastic guests, this is the time for the Alpha Progressives to get ready. If you are a conservative, congratulations, you're an endangered species. If you are a Trump supporter, we always love to have all y'all at the front of the line. We would love to talk with you and we will give you a more politeness than you might be used to. We also will uh, do something Donald Trump will never give you. We won't lie to you about nothing. Chris Hauselt is our heroic executive producer. He is running this thing from South Carolina. Um Thea Harper not with us. She's on vacation. Thoughts and prayers. We're glad you got away. Owen is helping us out tonight. If you call and get to talk to Owen, I strongly encourage you to be as uh, professional as possible with the man because he's dealing with a lot. He has to work with Chris. This evening, Angelo Carasone of Media Matters for America joins us to talk about the very different media landscapes we've been witnessing lately in our country, particularly when it comes to the Biden coverage of classified documents that somehow get taken to a foundation and Donald Trump stealing shit to hide in his hotel basement the false equivalency that's what gets to me and of course Media Matters has been all on top of the coverage over the speakers battle lot to discuss also Natalia Reagan is back with another edition of shit you can't say sorry liberals but there's some words or colloquialisms or or colorful metaphors you might have grown up with but it turns out they're not cool we're here to be a buzzkill and tell you the shit you can't say anymore and finally um, in hour number three the rude pundit joins us Lee Papa is here to Bitchsmack, Fascists, and Fools. But our most important guest, as always, is you guys. All y'all. Or if you're in Brooklyn, all y'all. We're at 866 grit. Now um it's a really fun show tonight. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, announcements? Yes. I'm going to be doing a um a, a very special show in New York, uh Garrison, New York at the Depot Theater at Garrison's Landing and it's going to be just me. I don't even think I have an opening act. Uh you can go to Phillips Town Depot Theater or my website uh, to get tickets for that if you're in the Hudson Valley area. Come on down. It's my first show of the new year. We're trying out some new stuff. This is the fun time of uh, winter when i get to start workshopping all the new material i've been doing in hibernation and go out there and figure out what the new hour is going to be so come on down if you're free all right we're all set i think again we are at 866-997-4748 let's do a show it's um it, I, I got good news tonight i have some very break you know what I don't just have good news. I have great news. I have life-affirming news. Something something that's real that will just make you feel so good. But first, and that's sort of what this show is all about. Good news, but first. Because in this case, before we get to the good news, I, I, we need to wade through some rivers of nasty sewage. Um, it, it, it There's a lot of bad going on. There's a lot of rank fuckery, a lot of double talking, and jive, a lot of scams, a lot of right wing fascist uprisings here and there. And they're getting more power. We don't know yet if they're going to implode on each other, declare a civil war on each other. We're learning more how the Congress is going to find ways to hurt people. But but here here's the deal. If it makes you crazy, just just remember Donald Trump really lost the election. OK, and the vaccines really did save lives. And mail-in voting is really safe, and it's very secure, and it's legal. Venezuela didn't hack Dominion voting machines. George Floyd didn't die of an overdose. Barack Obama was really born here. Uh, no one did anything wrong in Benghazi except the terrorists. I think we're ready, okay? Because the Republicans in the House, they're gearing up for their select committee. Oh, the select committee to investigate the weaponization of the federal government. Now, you might be thinking, yeah, you mean like when Donald Trump was using the IRS to go after his enemies? No, no, no. They don't care about that. They don't even really care about the weaponization of the federal government. Here's the thing. They they know that they've got Democrats in the Senate, right? And a Democratic White House. So this new Republican House knows the only way they can do anything is if they work with Democrats. But they also know. If any of them do work with Democrats, there's a very high chance they'll get primaried and somebody louder and dumber and more racist back home in their districts will take their seat. So what can they do? You got to work. You got to show up. But you can't work with anybody and and you can't just work with your side. So you need to do shit for the cameras. You need performative governance. And that's all the House Republicans are doing with their multi-pronged investigation into law enforcement agencies. Here's the deal. (laughs) they're thinking, okay, we can't, we can't trust law enforcement. We can't trust the IRS. We can't trust Capitol police. We can't trust intelligence agencies. The people who've been telling us back the blue are now saying, fuck the police. This is how it is. And they're really mad that our DOJ is investigating the terrorist attack at our Capitol. They're really, they're not mad about the terrorist attack. They're mad at the investigations. They're mad about special counsel, Jack Smith who, by the way, subpoenaed Rudy Giuliani last night. Did you hear about that? Did you hear the special counsel subpoenaed Rudy Giuliani? No, you didn't, because Tucker Carlson and Anderson Cooper were too busy talking about Joe Biden's documents. But we'll get to that. I'm getting mad. There's there's good news coming. And I mean, really good news. So, you know, you know, the right wing Freedom Caucus is championing the defendants on January 6th. They're saying, oh, they're political prisoners and they've been mistreated. They're, they're they're pro-terrorism. You know, James Comer from Kentucky, the congressman, chair of the House Oversight Committee? He says uh, the GOP's eroding trust in the federal bureaucracy dates back to Bushier intelligence failures during the Iraq War. James Comer's been going on the news a lot this week, and no one is asking him about his college girlfriend's very credible accusations that he hit her and threatened to kill her in front of her mom. They won't ask him that. He'll just come on and do his anti-Biden stuff. So... They're now going to have this committee, right, where they're going to be investigating the FBI, and they're going to try to investigate the IRS. They want to defund the IRS. What this committee is, is an anti-law enforcement committee, and that's the IRS. The IRS is there to enforce laws about taxes. This committee is there to obstruct not just justice, but to obstruct law enforcement itself. Hakeem Jeffries hasn't made a decision on whether he'll even put Democrats on this, but they voted today. To launch this wide-ranging investigation into law enforcement, into national security, not because they think there's any real corruption, but because they want to punish the people who investigated Donald Trump. Party line vote, 221 to 211. With all Democrats opposed, the House has approved the formation of the Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government, chaired by Jim Jordan, a man who has a black belt. In looking the other way, and it's going to have open ended jurisdiction, they're going to be able to scrutinize anything related to civil liberties, anything, any information the government's collected or analyzed or used about any Americans. What about inflation, though? What, wait, 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 what about inflation, gas prices? What about crime? They ran around, they ran on crime. What about all the the people at the border? Oh, no, no, my child. They're Republicans. They never cared about any of that. They got elected and now they have to stay elected and they can't do anything crazy like improve the lives of their constituents. They need to program content. That's what the Republican Party in Congress does. They reward their donors and they provide content to right wing media, usually in the form of monologues. Dan Goldman, congressman of New York, said the primary purpose of this special subcommittee is to interfere with the special counsel's ongoing investigation into a conspiracy to overturn the 2020 election. This is a shocking abuse of power, but it's not just the usual efforts by members of the other side on the aisle to once again do Donald Trump's dirty work. This time, they're trying to protect themselves. And they are. These investigations are how Republicans are trying to stop themselves from being investigated. Just remember this. Eleven. Eleven. Eleven out of seventeen of the new House committee chairs in this Congress, eleven of the seventeen, voted to throw out your vote in the 2020 presidential election. The insurrection is alive and well, but again, there's I I got good news coming, and I'll I'll get to that. But also, uh, Alan Weisselberg, Trump's the Trump Organization CFO, he was sentenced to five months in jail for massive tax fraud. Five months. He got. He pled guilty to tax fraud in Manhattan, and the judge said, okay, you could have had more time, but you took a plea deal. So now he'll do five years probation in addition to his five months. Khalif Browder was a young man who stole a backpack. He went to Rikers, too. They put him in solitary confinement for 700 days because he was accused of stealing a backpack. And then he died by suicide. Alan Weisselberg is going to be there for less than five months. ...for ripping off millions of dollars... ...and they're going to put him in this century-old special unit on Rikers. Okay? Khalid Browder spent three years in Rikers for allegedly stealing a backpack... ...was kept in solitary, lost his mind, and died. Steve Mann's free. Inciting global insurrections all over the hemisphere... ...despite being convicted of contempt of Congress. See, this is why I'm mad about Weisselberg. We should be happy about it. But the most infuriating part is not who did the crime... But who gets the time? First, it was Michael Cohen, and now it's Alan Weisselberg, being held accountable for Trump's crimes. Will Trump himself ever face a real indictment? Again, I don't care. I just never want him to be president again. So again, so so okay. And then I got to get one more thing, and then we can get to the good news. There, there is good news. But you know, you might have heard that Joe Biden. It turns out over a decade ago, or half a decade ago, when he left the White House. Uh, as vice president, someone in his team took some classified documents to the Biden center at the university of Pennsylvania, classified documents. No one noticed for a decade. And then Biden's attorneys found it like, whoa, they were very forthright. The national academy said it was a mistake. That's it. No crimes. And yet our media, which will never stop trying to get an extra dozen or so Fox viewers ran with this story because again, the media is not liberal. The media is full of people who are terrified of being called liberal. So anytime there's a whiff of an accusation of something inappropriate about Joe Biden, the media will be all over it. Even if Joe Biden did nothing wrong, even if the two stories have nothing in common. But that's it all day today. I bet you heard about it last night. We heard about it before we went on the air. I chose not to talk about it. It was rubbish. It was bullshit. Today, it's a story. Do you think it's a story? I I still don't, but it's become one because of the false equivalency mafia, because now people who don't care about Donald Trump's lies and guilt are trying to claim that there's a double standard for Joe Biden doing the exact same thing. Michelangelo Signorelli posted two different headlines from CNN, and it's amazing. Last night, last night, their headline was Biden document revelations are a gift for Trump and deepen Garland's nightmare. And then they realized what they had done. So this morning, CNN's headline was, there are clear distinctions between Trump and Biden's two cases. (laughs) The damage had been done. They already put the fear out there. They already helped spread the bullshit. So many, Anderson Cooper was doing this. Guys, it's not remotely the same. Joe Biden didn't know about it. The documents that were taken, were, were were they in the basement of Joe Biden's house? Were they in the basement of a hotel he owns? Easily accessible? No, here's the deal. If you leave the library and take a book with you, you don't sign out properly. And that's what it is. It's it's public property. It's a library book. It doesn't belong to you. It's public property. If you take the library book out and didn't know, and you say, oh, I have this library book, and you go back and, and turn it in, and they say, okay, thank you, sir, or miss. Um, that's one thing. But if you steal the library book, and then they find out you have it, and they call you, A hundred times and you screen your calls and then they send you a letter saying, give us back our library book and you send them back maybe half the library book and then they raid your house because libraries have intelligence outfits to get the rest of their library book back and you can't stop lying about it. That's the difference. Okay, it's not a crime to accidentally take government documents. If upon learning that you have taken government documents, you return them, then there's no crime. That's not what Donald Trump did. If Donald Trump had just said, oh, my bad, here you go, here's everything back, we never would have heard the story. It would have been forgotten, like one of Trump's wives. Instead, I realized today, oh, I was so wrong last night. I should have talked about this more, but I knew it was a bullshit story. I forgot bullshit stories are what our media thrives on. Hillary's emails, Benghazi, Obama's birth certificate. It doesn't matter if the story's bullshit. Our media is driven by one bias eyeballs, ratings, dollar signs. We're going to hear a lot about these documents. And the more it's shown that Joe Biden did nothing wrong and that Donald Trump's been lying to everybody, the more the right wing and the center to some degree. will pretend otherwise. Get ready for a ton of false equivalents about this in the Mar-a-Lago case. Again, the Biden team took 10 seconds and voluntarily gave the documents back. Donald Trump refused to and lied, and they had to raid his house to get it. There's no similarity. Uh, Joe Biden at under 12 documents. Trump had over 150. Uh, Biden had some top secrets. Trump had over 60 top secret ones. Biden cooperated. Trump didn't. (laughs) Joe Biden's lawyers found it and told everybody. Donald Trump, well, they they had to have the FBI search the house because they kept ignoring a subpoena. And you know why it's sad? Because this is going to end up just like the documents that were found in Trump's West Palm Beach storage unit. There's going to be any crime at all. You know, there's no crime that anything Biden did. The crime is going to be the fact that we're going to have to listen to idiots talk about a crime for the next year. There will be hearings about this. All you need to know is Biden did the right thing. Trump did not. Again, if you're right wing and want to argue this, I'd love to debate it. But let's get to the good news Um, because it's been rough environmentally. Eight of the last eight years, eight out of the last eight years were the warmest years on record. 2022 is the fifth warmest year the globe has ever recorded. This ranking was given out this morning by the European Union's Copernicus Climate Change Service. 2022 was the warmest year on record for big parts of Western Europe, the Middle East, Central Asia, China, Northwest Africa, Horn of Africa. And right now we're witnessing a parade of support, uh, storm systems pummeling California. This latest storm is what they're calling uh, a series of atmospheric rivers. And it's triggered evacuations, the closure of schools and roads, more than 34 million people. About 90% of California's population are under flood watches right now. National Weather Service is warning of torrential rain, widespread flooding, rapid water rises, mudslides, landslides, tons of damage. And there's no end in sight. It's like poor California, it's fires, drought, or flood. We know the effects of climate change. We know how expensive it is. The death toll of this is already over 14. But there's good news. Are you ready? Here it is. Imagine you could go back to like, I don't know, 1989. What would you hear about? You'd hear about hairspray and the ozone layer. If you were around in the late 80s, early 90s, this was the big environmental concern, tragedy, existential threat. There was a hole in the ozone layer. That's the layer of the stratosphere that absorbs radiation from the sun. and protects us from the damaging rays of the sun. But because of our chemicals, too many people using too much airspray, there was this ozone hole and we were all at risk. Now, is that nostalgic? Have you not heard about the ozone hole in a few years? Well, you know why you haven't heard about it? It's because scientists and ordinary people and businesses and politicians have worked together to try to save us from us. We have found out that Earth's ozone layer is now on track to recover completely within a couple of decades because the ozone depleting chemicals we were using 30 years ago have been almost phased out across the world. Earth's ozone layer is slowly but noticeably healing at a pace that looks like it could mend the entire hole over Antarctica in about 43 years. It's getting better. They've seen it. They've been tracking it for years. And the signs of recovery have solid. Again, it's slow, but here's the deal. The global average amount of ozone, 18 miles up in the atmosphere, it won't be back to 1980 levels until about 2040. It won't be back till normal in Africa until 2066. But, you know, a couple of decades ago, you'd walk to a store and you'd buy a can of refrigerants that would eat away at the ozone. Now those refrigerants are bad. Our society has dealt with ozone depleting substances. We worked together. The two main chemicals that were chumping away at the ozone are at much lower levels. Chlorine, uh, it's down 11.5% since it peaked in 1993. Bromine is down 14.5% in our air since 1999. Guys, we had a problem. It was threatening all of us and we worked together. Different governments, different scientists, Did some businesses suffer? Did some businesses see a loss in profit? Yes. But what we're seeing here is an example of what our world can actually do when we work together for the sake of the earth, for the sake of its people. The EPA estimates that without this global pact to save the ozone, America alone would have seen one and a half million more skin cancer deaths and 45 million cataracts. Guys we have proof in front of us scientific proof that we with all of our divisions and all of our hatreds and all of our tribalism that we as a world can come together to address actual global challenges like the climate crisis we can do it we sort of tried to do it during covid but dude it's almost like global cooperation on the risks to our planet work Really glad to have you with us. I'm John Fugel saying I'm so thrilled to welcome our next guest. Anytime we can get Angelo Carson to join us. Our show is seriously classed up. He is president and CEO of Media Matters, an essential Nonprofit organization. They are America's premier media watchdog. Angelo is a recognized authority on right wing extremism and how it cloaks itself in our media. We are always thrilled to welcome Angelo Carasone back. Happy New Year, sir. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being had. Listen, I just want to make sure I, I love Media Matters. I love the work you do. I love a lot of your staff. I want to make sure you guys are okay after the shocking revelation that Joe Biden is every bit as corrupt as Donald Trump when it comes to stealing classified documents. Um, we're all <laughs> still reeling from the from this yin yang and that realizing that they're both just two sides of the same coin on this issue. Hmm. I, I gotta I, I gotta <laughs> say, Angelo, the media's lust for a false equivalence is a bit embarrassing on this. Yeah, it really
5: is, um, and I think that you know looks in in you know yes and that is that is i think this is a keyhole view into the type of coverage that we're going to see especially over the next year in particular as a a, a presidential primary heats up and so there's definitely going to be a desperation not just it's not you know access journalism is sort of said as if it's like very well understood and it I, it kind of sounds pejorative but it's like but there's a but there's a reality to it, which is that you need to have embedded staff members. You need to have relationships with the campaigns. You actually need to get some degree of even basic access. And so the way you do that is you try to demonstrate that you're willing to give them a fair shake. Even if the circumstances are imbalanced, you kind of go out of your way when you can to, to uh, inoculate yourself against the criticism of, of bias. Yes. And you sort of exploit these opportunities like the one today, which it's not a question of whether or not it's newsworthy or should be discussed, but when you're making editorial decisions where it's basically consuming 40 percent of your entire news programming which is what happened right. at cnn in the first day of coverage that that's like that is uh that is hurricane level attention you know it's like that is not what you give for some documents scattered a confidence document scattered in you know in a desk somewhere that were a couple of years old it's it, these circumstances aren't remotely equivalent and you no know, mm-hmm. but it's it is a keyhole view into what we're, we're facing and i, I think that that, to me, is the big takeaway is how quickly the rest of the news media can backslide into this sort of reflexive, mollifying or exactly. inoc- uh, you know, right wing critics are inoculating themselves against bias. So it's it's a warning. It's a warning sign, honestly.
0: I mean, you, you posted a terrific graph mm-hmm. for Media Matters that you tweeted out that I just retweeted of cable news coverage of classified documents found at Joe Biden's personal office. And it's really true. I mean, CNN, an hour and 47 minutes last night. Yeah. Fox News, 29 minutes. CNN literally spent more than three times as much on the Joe Biden story as Fox did. Because, Angelo, God bless CNN, they will never stop their romantic campaign to try to lure away a dozen or two dozen Fox viewers.
5: Yeah, and that's what they believe. I mean, they actually have a presentation on it now. Um, you know, the, the, that is no longer like conjecture or a sort of like a, even a, a, a critique. It's actually their that's their pitch deck. They actually have a pitch deck that shows that if they if they materially change the substance of their programming to appeal more to conservatives, to um, to to air more of their perspectives, even if it's independent of the substance of it. That they can, you know, they have this big pie chart. They say they show MSNBC's audience. They show Fox's audience. Say, it's it would be so much easier to get a slice of the pie from Fox's audience if we That's just, right. you know, and, and and they they've really been pushing that as a justification, not just for their for their coverage, but you know, this is all about getting some investments, especially early on, especially when in for CNN uh, in particular, as unlike Fox, when you know when they sell their ads, at least the first wave. They're selling it to big media buyers, sort of wholesalers, you're right. who then resell the ads in a year. So you're trying to demonstrate to your to the big media buyers that in a year from now, CNN's ratings are going to be higher. So you should get in now on these on when it's discounted because you can upcharge that's potential right. customers in the future. And so that's where that presentation came from. I said we're going to be <laughs> so much bigger in a year from now because we're going to cater to a conservative audience. Like, they said it. Doesn't this it kind like, of sound is, like
0: this is Elon <laughs> goosing the Tesla stock? Right. Yeah. This is essentially the same kind of scam. Like, believe me later, hear me now. Mm
5: -hmm. That's exactly right. And so, you know, they really think that that, you know, so one, they're sensitive about this. They're sensitive about that, that That. and then uh, about what their audience is going to look like. And then the other thing they want to be able to do. And this is where the Republicans just work the refs so much better is that they made it clear, you know, when Republicans sort of walked away from the presidential debates for 2024, they sort of eschewed the presidential debates commission. What kind of got lost in that conversation to the extent that it existed was that they also basically said, oh, we're not doing any of those debates on CNN or MSNBC or anywhere else either. We're not going to have the Trump and the DeSantis and we're not going to have those nine. We're not letting it happen. And in fact, most of our candidates are going to avoid it entirely. And DeSantis did that during his re-election campaign with ABCs and, and a lot of other national news outlets just recently for uh, governor of Florida. He, his campaign would refuse to let them access to events that other news media were at. So, yeah. of course, then you hold you keep your powder dry because you don't want to get boxed out of the next event. So there's this other piece too which is that they are really trying to make a show of force especially over the next six months that they're going to be <laughs> even-handed with republicans which means they are probably going to get a lot more coverage of all these you know the investigations haven't started yet the committees haven't spun up in the house it's amazing that you're yeah. going to when i say keyhole view i mean it. this what happened last night with this is just a small example of what we're going to see from cnn which is going to be the leader of oh, the yeah. pack here for the oh. next few months
0: Whoever the chairman of the investigate the Joe Biden documents that Joe Biden didn't know about, that guy's <laughs> going to be on CNN every night. And again, I look, I love CNN. I watch CNN every day. I've, I've worked for CNN. I have a lot of great friends working there now. But this is the Chris Lictification of the network. It's making the same yes. mistake that CNN's at, at MSNBC over the years has made. MS used to try to be Fox all the time. Yes. CNN will never stop chasing that audience and think, well, no, they you won't. know, if we give enough Megyn Kelly's enough hours that somehow they'll like us.
5: And if I could just make one more point about CNN, because in this case, Please. we are kind of trapped between a rock and a hard place here because so let's say this works out for CNN and they find a way to to extract a, a slightly bigger audience. Their revenue starts to go up and things seem good. OK, good for them. But it means that we now get a, a launderer of conservative misinformation. Yes. That's the best case scenario. The alternative is this doesn't really work out, um, and Rupert Murdoch buys it because my all signs point right now that Rupert Mur- 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 is gonna Mur- Murdoch is going to make another run. Murdoch buys CNN.
0: Murdoch buys yes. CNN. He's going to keep on yes. trying to do this, huh?
5: Absolutely, and I think all signs point all signs point that Murdoch is going to make one more hard run at CNN, and the, you know he has the cash stockpile. They've already they're merging the two. You know, when back in the day, News Corp. Fox's parent company split. They're yeah. re-merging them in the next few That's right. months. So, um, That's right. Rebecca Brooks, who's a confidant, is going to come in as the CEO. And Murdoch has said he has one more big merger left, one more big deal left before he goes. Um, and he has the cash on hand to do it. He's sitting on one of the largest stockpiles of cash in the news media. Um, outside of Rumble, which has, you know, it was $350 million. He's sitting on billions of dollars of, of acquisition funds no, I it. that he's been waiting to deploy. So, you know, he this is his white whale. He's always wanted it. he The same thing happened with Wall Street Journal. He made a bunch of runs at it, and then he, he eventually got it. He likes he to did. buy these types of brands. There's a long history there.
0: Um, UK stopped him from buying Sky, though. UK stopped him cold from buying Sky. That's
5: right. That was a big fight. And, you know, they the, the two big things, one was media concentration. There was a little right. bit there. The other thing is they were very worried about foxification, and his... People didn't have very good answers during the competition and markets authority. Like they had a regulatory body to respond, and we don't have anything like that here that that would be able to really put up a strong deal. Because one thing that that was that other providers have that Fox doesn't have to worry about. The Murdochs don't own any distribution in the states. They don't own any cable or satellite. If right. they did, that would get into antitrust and other factors. But here, right. he can own all those channels if he wants. There's nothing stopping him, and. So that's when I say best case scenario is that we have a launder of conservative misinformation in a weird way. I mean, that's not what I'm cheering for, but um, it's a real it's a real vulnerability as we move over the next year. And CNN is is both in this weird fulcrum place. And it's it's a testament to the influence and power that they have. In the past, it was it's been good, but it could also be some real destructive power. And I would just caution everyone that CNN, by the way, did the same thing in early 2000s. Their mm-hmm. their CEO at the time announced that they had gotten too liberal and they needed to recalibrate. And what did That's that? Right. They were pounding the drums for war. And part yeah. of that was the, the, the circumstances collided. And it, as a part of that shift to the center, they also became a launderer of conservative misinformation. So yes. we've seen this before as well. And I'll sort of stop ranting there. But this is the thing it, it, that I think we've ignored CNN for a while. And were, maybe they were a little bit of a good guy, it felt like. And they were fighting a good fight. but they they're going to be a, a real challenge for for the news media and for our political yeah. ecosystem for, for, for a while.
0: I mean it's fascinating to think about CNN has had such a hard time booking regular conservatives. They've had a really hard time booking pro-Trump conservatives. Look, we used to have Republicans on our show all the time before Trump. Trump made it really, really hard to get sane Republicans who can speak honestly, look you in the face and not drool. And, you know, you've seen it with Rick Santorum. They had to dump him. Now I'm imagining, my God, what if the conservative takeover of CNN means they just buy the network and not have a couple of token Trumpers? I I can't even imagine what our media would look like, Angelo. CNN would be like Fox and Fox would be in German, I guess. Fox would just... Just, Fox would just be Lenny Riefenstahl <laughs> films,
5: <laughs> and that's it. That that would be the full realization of Roger Ailes' dream when he first <laughs> built it. You know, I mean, he he kind of pitched he kind of pitched Nixon at the time on you know he was a Lenny Riefenstahl sort of acolyte. He really believed yes. that, uh, and he was a, he was. I mean, I'm not saying that just to be. I'm not just throwing the Nazi thing out there to be a mean mean
0: it's true. Big time. He was a he, hard he had, study. He, he really was. He was into the bootlegs and everything. Yeah.
5: That's right. He really uh, genuinely, and he when he pitched Nixon on sort of this media consultant type thing when he drew up the first memos for Fox, it was basically a, a sanitized version of of sort of what Nazi propaganda was. He sort of took the tactics. I mean, for God's sakes, the breaking news crawl, Roger Ailes invented that. As a, I, I mean, I mean, you could go. There's so many things that all of cable news does now that's so normal that actually Roger Ailes was the inventor of, and it was all of these propaganda techniques that he sort of modernized and implemented You're when right. he was running Fox.
0: My guest is Angelo Carasone, president for Media Matters for America. Uh, Angelo, I'd be most remiss if I didn't ask you your thoughts on the various coverage we saw last week of the never-ending Kevin McCarthy circle jerk soap opera. Um, it was actually really, really interesting. Not so much in seeing how divided this GOP caucus is, but how this division makes things very uncomfortable for the normally uniform right-wing media infrastructure.
5: Yeah, and I think I think you. You hit it. You hit it. It's a really good point. And I, one of the things that I was saying in the last in the in the midterms of the last cycle, is constantly reminding people that 2022 was the first election in about 22 or so years that Rush Limbaugh was not the single largest get-out-the-vote operation for Republicans. Really? Yeah. And so two things happened. To your point, Rush Limbaugh died, so you lost that center of gravity. And the other thing is Roe v. Wade got overturned. And you know, for much of the right wing media and the right wing ecosystem, Roe v. Wade was kind of connective tissue that bound together different factions because they could say, yeah, we disagree on all these things, but gosh, we really have to, we really have to make sure we ban abortion, right? So we'll hold our nose on some things as a concession because they had, they had a unifying priority that allowed them to keep together. So what you pointed out is exactly what we saw play out is that there are actually all these fractures and fissures within the the right wing the right wing landscape um born out of the fact that they they have a right wing echo chamber which gives them enormous power is usually is usually echoing the same thing. But what happens when all of those speakers Instead of playing the same beat over and over again, decide to keep maximum value in radically different things. CRT, trans bathrooms, right? You know, right. they're all they're all they don't know what they're mostly angry about right now. And so you're seeing this incredible jockeying for narrative dominance for some connective unifying tissue. So because we lost those two things last cycle, these little fissures that have long existed are now beginning to turn into cracks. And so that McCarthy thing is just the consequence of what the foundation actually looks like. And so a lot of fights are going to be materializing around this. And I I would just say that it, it, it means two things. One, it, in a way, it's kind of scarier right now because to, when you mentioned earlier about Trump and one of the effects, one of the other effects is that they organized power on the fringes. The right Republicans made it started organized power on the fringes. So they brought in all these people that used to be far out there to, to, in more closer to the center. So what that does mean is that the right wing landscape as a whole is want more bloodthirsty. They are bloodthirsty. I mean, when, when, that, when that shooting happened at that gay club in, in Colorado, they That's were right. happy. They were
0: happy. When Paul Pelosi got hit in the head with a hammer, they were delighted. They were
5: happy. Right. I mean, they, they're bloodthirsty. So they're scarier than they've ever been because of that bloodthirst. But on the other hand, they are actually in, in a kind of disarray. Almost they're sort of lining up like a circular fire squad. They're lining up for a food fight. It just hasn't fully started yet. But these cracks are there.
0: Angelo Carasone, it is such a pleasure to have you. And I so appreciate all that Media Matters does. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you and your work?
5: MediaMatters.org.
0: Right on, man. Thank you so much. Happy New Year to your family. Hope to see you soon. Okay. We'll be right back with your calls. We're at 866-997-4748. We're going all the way live till midnight on the East Coast, 9 p.m. on the West. This is Progress After Dark. Okay. Picture this.
3: It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
0: You know, 20 years ago, David Bowie, who had already declined the commander of the British Empire honor, turned down a knighthood. 20 years ago, he did it. He later said, I would never have any intention of accepting anything like that. I seriously don't know what it's for. It's not what I spent my life working for. That same year, 2003, six of David Bowie's albums appeared on Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. David Bowie would have turned 76 years old this past Saturday, and David Bowie left us seven years ago today.
4: I'm John saying
0: This is Sirius XM Progress. We are at eight six six We're taking your calls all the way till midnight on the East Coast, 9 p.m. on the Pacific. In the next hour, we're joined by the Rude Pundit, who is here to bitch smack fools. If you are a Trump troll and you like to call the show and spout your ignorant, uh, misogynist whatnots, uh, wait for Lee. Do it, do it with Rude Pundit. He'll give you a different treatment than I do. I'm easy on you. I'm nice. I try to find humanity. Lees above such things. Right now, however, I am so pleased that we have the great Natalia Reagan joining us once more on the show. Natalia is a comedian. She is a broadcaster. She is a scientist. And she may have first gotten on your radar for her many times guest hosting Neil deGrasse Tyson's Talk. She has done everything on TV from searching for Bigfoot to playing a McNugget to playing off Broadway with me and Frank Conniff and laughing liberally. People of Earth, welcome back for another edition of shit you just can't say the woman who's ruining every expression i ever grew up with natalia reagan hello
6: thank you i'm here to make your life hell and uh you know this week is no exception so uh you know, thanks for having me you natalia, the whole
0: point the whole point of being a liberal is so i can call people racist it's it's not so i can sit around and think about all the racist stuff that i've done my whole life <laughs> you know that's that's self-reflection right? that's kind of hard for yeah
6: yeah
0: I want to be just <laughs> liberal enough. I can point fingers at people without pointing three back at myself. Do you know what I mean? Is that asking too much?
6: I think i, I, I laying down. I'm smelling what you're stepping in, but uh, that doesn't work that way. Uh, we got to hold <laughs> ourselves accountable because we know that the other side's not. Um, well, generally doesn't. We only can hope. Uh, this is my yeah, favorite I, segment because every
0: week you every week you come here to do this segment and I complain about your segment on my show because it's, <laughs> it, it but it's true it's just like if you're going to be progressive you got to be able to look in the mirror and say you know what it's it's time to stop saying that you know like like yeah. you know when I see a guy who's like 30 years old still saying retarded i'm like dude oh that what what um but it's actually true through these segments with you i've learned that uh, i'm much more racist and misogynist and col- colonial and just shitty as a human than i ever realized i was before but there's expressions in the language that have to go circle the wagons etc you the, the totem, blow man in the totem pole you, you you've taught exactly. me a lot about this yeah there
6: you go you're my little shit uh and I'm i these are things that these are things that I have said, and I've made the mistake of saying for years, but because I, I have to be amongst the young folk as a, you know, an anthropology professor, uh, I learn what is okay and not okay to say. I mean, we haven't gotten into this, but things like spaz, I had no idea that was a bad word.
0: But that's in the UK, yeah, and and Lizzo mm-hmm. learned from that, right? It was, was it Lizzo who had the lyrics? Lizzo did and- an
6: amazing job. Sort of just apologizing, doing the right thing, not getting, you know, because it's really easy to get defensive and be like, oh, screw you, you know, and and you're you're too sensitive, you snowflake. And it's like, you know, you got to if we're going to dish it out, we got to be able to take it. You know, and so I think she handled it with a lot of grace. And, you know, I'm still learning. There's things that I accidentally slip and I have to slap my hand and say, bad anthropologist, get with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, it takes time. You know, I mean, we talked about last week, pronouns, like making sure or trying at least is is sometimes the most we can do. And if we make mistakes, at least we're trying. But, um, you know, come on, we can we can roll roll with it. We're cool. We're hip.
0: Maybe we should call this segment. Natalia Reagan, Natalia Reagan's woke camp. You know, because it just we're, we're, we're wiping away all the sins of our past. So, all right. So what is what is this week's what's this week's shit that I really just shouldn't be saying anymore?
6: This right. is a really common one. This is a very common one that a lot of people don't know the root of it. It's gypped, meaning that guy just totally gypped me. I You're going to take screwed. that expression?
0: You're taking gypped away from us? Yes. What an well, unfortunate know, look, thing. What an unfair, I, bad thing to do.
6: Oh. I'm bamboozling you by taking okay. gypped away, which is a great alternative, by the way. No, but this is this is the thing. This is the thing about this segment. It's not about okay. what you can't say, even though the segment says that I'm giving you the information. <laughs> you can make the choice. It's a, the true. choice is in your hands. If you want That's to continue. Very way,
0: fair. You can, you're you're free to say it. You
6: your house. Yeah, but you can't you. you can't
0: you can't play dumb about it. That's the trick. No.
6: Exactly. Okay. Now you got so, the information. So
0: I, I so, can probably okay. guess so, why why gypped is bad, but let's talk about it
6: okay cool so uh the gyp comes from the word gypsy which is an exonym. it's actually a name that we were not technically we but uh people in the past gave the name for uh the romani or roma people that originated in india and fled when um uh, during a muslim invasion in the 11th century and basically spent you know hundreds of years traveling throughout southern and eastern europe and they were known as gypsies that was a name given to them and they were uh, accused of being Swindlers and not being the most honest of people, uh, having to do what they can to survive. Now, to you know, it's basically stereotyping them as all being dishonest people, and the word "jip" is referring to them being dishonest and being um, well, you know, schmucks and stealing. And that is a a sweeping stereotype, which is eh, pretty racist. So we should probably wipe that from our vernacular if if we uh, choose to do so. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of different alternatives that are, I think, really fun, honestly. Uh, mm-hmm. Follow me. Uh, one is bamboozled. I already said that. Great word. Uh, swindled. I mean, how often do you get to throw that one out? It was swindled. swindled. Yeah,
0: swindle's is a great, great goody word.
6: Right? Beguiled.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, beguiled okay, is more like not... charmed to me. It's more like charmed to me than swindled, you know I mean? but I, I guess.
6: Yeah. And uh, it's more of like the, uh, you yeah, charmed and in, 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 in duped uh cheated that's just a a real you screwed over you know that gets a little sexual uh fucked over but uh that's if you want to take it to the the late late night crowd but these are alternatives (laughs) to a word that we should leave behind because it really is and even the word gypsy for instance my mom has called me her gypsy forever because i am just a roaming gnome which is a great alternative for gypsy right because that is yes a roaming gnome. And by the way, gypsy. The reason why they were called uh, the the gip in that, that word gypsy was because uh, of the features of the Romani people. They had dark features. People mistake uh, mistook them for Egyptians. So that is uh, the root of the the word. And right. uh, and so that's yeah. And so you know you you see gypsies written about. Uh, actually, the word gyp was used in Great Gatsby. F. Sh- F. Scott Fitzgerald used the word, um, but also in. Um, uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. You have El Esmeralda, who is yeah. supposed to be a, a gypsy, but she is Romani.
0: This is actually really interesting because this speaks to the, the theme we talk about that that uh, racism and bigotry aren't always the same. Um, the author Carol Higgins Clark released a book last mm-hmm. year. Uh, I think last year, maybe no, it was actually no, a couple years ago. Like yeah,
2: 2013. Go, well, go ahead. Okay, oh no, oh, is that, I when that I was yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, her, her, her
0: book was called Gipped a Reagan-Riley mystery. And, and I know there were a lot of complaints about it. And uh, at one point she released a statement which said, I am truly sorry for any offense caused by using the word gipped as the title of my book. It was a familiar word since childhood, which no one I knew associated with its origin. Since this issue arose, I've asked many people who also had no idea of any negative connotation. Again, I apologize. I mean, I know it's difficult to change the name of a book that's already in print, but I think that's a pretty good example of how easy it can be to that's that's racism. You don't have to have hatred in your heart to be part of perpetuating uh, stigmatizing bullshit.
6: Yeah, I mean, intent is nice. You know, you, it's nice if you don't have bad intent, but you can't help the impact. Sometimes the impact is there. So it, it really it's about thinking twice before saying and, and doing certain things. And it's it's a small you know task. To take on to avoid the hurt of others, and I don't see what why it's such a big deal for you know. I mean, even things like wearing a mask, you know, it's a small task just to 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 take care of others, and if it means just being a little bit more in woke or at least aware, self aware, I don't see the problem in that. Why not? Why not go that route? And you know, it's funny that you know today it's not coincidental. I think. uh, this is the anniversary of David Bowie's death, who was my you know, hero growing up. And I just loved how absolutely, um, I don't know, open he was about uh, the racism that he saw, like, for instance, on MTV when he called out right. uh, disc jockeys for not playing black artists and That's just right. flat out just took them to task on television, like right there. Didn't even I, I think. The, the look on these interviewers' face was you know pure shock because this is you know kind of the the king of you know rock as we knew it was telling them that you know you do better, do better
0: yeah exactly and um so so in in just to summation um when we want to say something like i've been I've been cheated instead of saying I've been gypped uh we we should say i've been swindled uh or <laughs> i've been bamboozled or uh, uh i I've been jewed down no see that's another example you can't say that right Jude, yeah. jude is pre- yeah so sorry so <laughs> <laughs> I grew up on Long Island, and I used to hear that expression all oh, the time. Man. And it really means, you know, oh, they, they can jew you down a bit. And it used to shock me. But it's really the same exact thing, except we're yeah. socialized to understand why one expression is wrong. In the case of Gypt, a lot of us, like Carol Higgins Clark, just never got the memo. Um, is it proper to call these folks the Romani people? That's what we should call Roma. them, Roma people? Roma people?
6: Yeah, I, think, I, I believe it's Roma for the people and Romani for their, their music and things of, of you know cultural things associated with them um mm-hmm. but i could be com- uh, wrong i will let you know but i'm pretty sure roma for the people romani for uh, other attributes
0: wow so i mean this is the kind of term that's probably going to take a while to go right like some yeah. of these terms that you bring us i can see you know obviously getting the, getting a scalp okay that that's going to go <laughs> but when i think about something like yeah. this i mean it seems so obvious but it seems like it takes a while for this to permeate the consciousness
6: Yeah. And that's what I I said it last week and I corrected myself or you actually did a good job correcting me because I said, oh, this one's kind of obvious because it was, what did we do last week? Oh, I sold down the river, which it might appear obvious to some folks, but not to everyone. And that's something I have to correct myself even when I teach by saying, you know, saying the word obvious or obviously is not fair because a lot of people come from different backgrounds and don't have this education. So who's to say what they do and do not know? And why not just come at him, you know, like a blank slate and just give him the information.
0: Well, I'm not sure how I how I corrected you last week, but I I was triggered because (laughs) uh, as a dumb person, obvious is offensive term to me when I hear it. So uh, (laughs) I thank you for understanding. (laughs) Um, You want to talk to 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 some of our listeners, Natalia? There's a lot. By by the way, were you were you paying attention to the uh, the speaker's battle all last week? Man, was it just the most exciting, boring thing I've ever watched? (laughs)
6: That was, uh, talk about the heck of a fight, you know, like it, it was the saddest, slowest, like, it, I, I've, have you ever seen a koala bear slap fight? That's what it felt <laughs> like. Where it, There was no real, the stakes were very low, but it still was thrilling, you know?
0: Yeah, I guess <laughs> a koala bear slap fight, I'd be rooting for the koala bears to not hurt each other. Here, I was, I was liking it. So, yeah. Yeah. Miss yeah. <laughs> Reagan, how do our listeners follow you and keep up with all your work?
6: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Natalia Thirteen Reagan. Same with Instagram and on TikTok, TikTok, uh, the TikTok. What the kids are using. At behold, Natalia. Uh, I also have a Patreon page. If you want to contribute to, I have do. A, I'm working on a podcast right now called Survival of the Filthiest. John is going to be uh, one of probably multiple. I hope to have you on lots of the guests. Oh, sorry, I will. And uh, yeah, that's it.
0: Thank you, Natalia. We'll be right back with your calls. This is progress.
1: And the best part? You can try it yourself with their 7-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's TV slash poppods to get 50% off your first month. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back,
0: I'm John Fugle saying this is serious XM Progress. We're at 866-997-4748. And whether you like it or not, the Root Pundit is back on the show. Lee Papa is the political blogger who takes no prisoners and bitch smacks fascists and fools. He has tens of thousands of weekly readers. You might know him from his regular weekly appearances on The Stephanie Miller Show. The New York Times called Lee a tornado of a writer and a child of Lenny Bruce, Richard Pryor, and Hunter S. Thompson. And you know what? I bet those three guys would try to make it happen. People of Earth, please welcome the, the Roodpondit. Rood Hello. I'm ha-
2: ha- I, Are we still allowed to say Happy New Year on January 10th? I
0: don't know. I, I say, say Happy New Year until April, yes. No, excellent, excellent. So good to be back. Good to be back. Happy New Year. And, and thanks to Donald Trump, we can say Happy Christmas again, too, because you remember those years we were thrown in the gulag by Obama for mentioning Christmas.
2: Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was only Happy Holidays or else you'd get the shock collar.
0: <laughs> oh, Lee, it's so good to see you. Happy New Year to you. Happy new speaker to you. I hope you enjoyed oh, last week's groveling ceremony of humiliation as much as uh, Kevin McCarthy's kids will one day.
2: You know, maybe maybe it's McCarthy gets off on losing. You know, oh, we we man. really have to get, get that into consideration.
0: You know, that every time it was like, oh, I'm going back to the cloakroom for one more wank. That's it. I know guys in my fetish room exactly like this. Yeah, it, it just sort of seemed like it's one thing to be into being humiliated. But when you're into being humiliated by Matt Gates, that's just I mean, you know, when the guys come in to make love to Ben Shapiro's wife and he watches in the corner. I, I'm sorry. I can't. And God bless Ben, whatever works. But I mean, being humiliated nonstop by Matt Gates for no seeming reason other than Matt Gates is really thirsty for attention and was fundraising off of it until Friday night.
2: Until somebody, I forget who it was, some representative leaned down and seemed to tell him, you know, OK, cut this shit out or we're going to we're going to castrate you. It's Did you really
0: see the video amazing. of that of where that? the guy leans down? When I say this man has got in Matt Gaetz's face, I mean, they look like lovers. He is speaking. So, and Gates is just stone faced calm as this man is shouting something into his ear. I mean, it was ugly over there. And all I'm he does, really dude, all he later,
2: does is. Yeah, the the color goes out of his mask, his uh, makeup face. And uh, and he just says, okay, and then that was it. It was it was was an astonishing moment. But, you know, you got to wonder, you know, what are the things that Kevin McCarthy promised? You know, does he have to watch as Nestor blows gates and masturbate in the corner while he's doing while watching? Does he have to lick Marjorie Taylor Greene's toes? Does he have to, you know? (laughs) Yes, yes. Give anal fingering to Paul Gosar. What does he have to do to, to, to keep his speakership?
0: Since might not be as pleasant person- as these things you've laid out here. It might not be as nice. It might actually be something unpleasant for him. But yeah, I mean, if I would, if I was a, a regular rank and file Republican who supported McCarthy all the way, I'd be pretty irritated that this hostage-taking Nazi clot caucus is able to get untold goodies for not being as compliant as me. I mean. I'm not a guy who's into payback, and that's why I'm not a Republican. But wow, you have to think there'll be some people wanting some revenge on Matt Gates for what he's done.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. And because there are some legit, real evil things that they could get, they could try to get done. And instead, they're going to do evil based on the fantasies of of the extremist, the most extreme of the extremist Republican Party. I mean, I mean, let's face it, there wasn't a lot that McCarthy wasn't going to do, but giving the power over to this group is and weakening his speakership to the point where one person can say, you know, wait, I want to, you know, I want to put a privileged motion forward that has to take it, take precedence over all other business to vote whether or not you should continue to be speaker. Kevin McCarthy. And exactly. I love, I love, though, that, that Democrats can do it. Democrats can just fuck everything up. They could just keep on calling this out.
0: I mean, if, if five Democrats want to get together and demand a new vote for a new speaker, they can do that, too. You know, we're, we're it's going to take a while to realize how much. Kevin McCarthy gave away just in terms of the speaker's actual power. We've read so many articles about how weak and diminished the office is after Speaker Pelosi, who is arguably the most powerful speaker of our lifetime. But for me, Lee, it wasn't about the humiliation of last week. It's about the nonstop humiliation of the next two years, because I mean, when six of them can control 200 of them, they're not going to stop. And Kevin McCarthy, I don't know how he gets this caucus in a row. I just don't see how he can do it when he knows that they can just beat the crap out of him and he'll cave like he's done for Trump so many times.
2: Well, he's he's actually lucky that there is a Democratic Senate because every vote they take is a show vote, you know. Uh, their vote that in, they're all trumpeting. We voted to uh, to defund the 87000 IRS agents, which, of course, is a complete fucking fantasy. And uh, mm-hmm. and and, that, and you know, it's like, no. Yeah, you voted for that, but that's not going to happen. So, you know, trust us, Democrats. We know we know show votes. We did them for a few years. <laughs> and uh, the Democratic House did that for a few years, you know, waiting for the Senate to act on anything.
0: Right. Right. But I mean, that's the reality, though. They know in the House that nothing's going to happen and they're not going to actually do anything in terms of real legislating. We've been talking about it all week. They have a Democratic Senate and a Democratic White House. So if they want to do anything to, I don't know, let's pick something quaint, improve the lives of the voters back home in any way. If they want to do anything to improve the lives of the people who sent them to D.C., they have to work with Democrats. But if they work with Democrats, they'll get primaried by the racists back home. And so all they can do is this performative fuckery. And all we're going to see is them not governing, but providing content to right-wing media through speeches yep. and monologues. That's it, right? Yeah. That's what we're looking at.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's it. You're right. It's, you're the committees dead are going to on. do nothing. The they're not going to, they're the not going to gut thing the FBI. About-
0: they're not, they're not going to kill Hunter Biden. They're not going to actually gut the FBI. They're not going to do anything. They're just going to have preening speeches that will be aired during Tucker. Yeah.
2: But the but the other thing that they can do, and this is the thing that that is so aggravating is they can, you know, wreck the economy with uh, with, with, by not voting on it, on hiking the debt ceiling, which was a big mistake by Democrats Mm -hmm. uh, prior to the election. And they can also, you know, it's going to be interesting when they start to subpoena Democratic lawmakers and the Democratic lawmakers try to say, no, we're not going to we're not testifying like you did, except these motherfuckers are. Going to go ahead and try to prosecute those democrats that's yeah. what i think is going to happen i don't think it's going to be like oh well i guess we didn't you know so kevin mccarthy didn't didn't answer the subpoena and so uh and and so obviously i wouldn't have to no they, they're evil motherfuckers they're, yeah. they there's only so much power they have and they're going to use it whenever they can
0: Donald Trump took time out of his busy schedule, never leaving his house, Lee, and was um, posting on Truth Social. And he managed to have some more racist, uh, bad jokes about Mitch McConnell's wife's name. But he, he is now cheering them on. Uh, he's, he's like, you know, play tough in the upcoming debt ceiling negotiations. This movement is on. And Wall Street is already concerned about it. We saw this happen, what, 11, now it's 12 years ago, in 2011, in the debt ceiling crisis, where the GOP House defied Obama, and it didn't work out well for the GOP in 2012. I I, got to think, you know, the Freedom Caucus really loves to fundraise off this bullshit. But ultimately, I don't think anyone in this Republican Party is going to want to be held responsible for a financial crash that tanks the 401ks of their voters back home.
2: I don't know. It, I don't know how suicidal they are. I mean, I mean, that's the thing is, is are are they just ready to all go arm in arm with Trump and just say, fuck it, let's dive off this cliff and just see what happens when
0: we hit bottom? I think I, we know I, they're not because we saw a lot of Donald Trump being ignored this week and it didn't get enough media attention. Donald Trump was calling these people on the floor and Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert couldn't give a damn about it. Lee, this is being spun as a victory for Trump, but I think the whole debacle of a week shows just how weak he is and that he doesn't actually have any control over this party.
2: But that isn't that what's supposed to happen? It's really funny. It's like Donald Trump was Frankenstein's monster. And now Frankenstein's monster decided, fuck it. I'm going to create a bunch of other monsters. And of course, you know,
0: once you create the monsters and they get out of the lab, you got no fucking control. I would go a step further. I would say the low information voting base that Fox News spent two decades cultivating was Frankenstein's monster. And then they found a new mad scientist in Trump that they liked more than Dr. Frankenstein. And then he began making more monsters. You're right. And it's oh, like zombie Oh, this dude, I can't follow
2: this metaphor anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, but but it's true. It's like zombie no. governance. And, and I mean, Ron DeSantis is looking to come in here and ride this wave. And I actually think that Ron DeSantis was the biggest winner of last week because Donald Trump came off looking weak. Kevin McCarthy, this is going to be the worst two years of his life. You want to see Kevin McCarthy humiliate himself? It hasn't begun yet. I think Ron DeSantis had the best week of all of them.
2: I got to tell you, you know, this is obviously anecdotal. Obviously, you know, you can call bullshit on me, but I was standing in the Home Depot (laughs) yesterday. And it was in the plumbing section. I was getting one of those extending uh, uh, wrenches so I could get up under the sink and change a faucet. Very nice. And uh, and the plumbing guy was talking to another customer and all they were talking about was how, yeah, you know, you know, I really think I could vote for DeSantis. I think DeSantis needs to run. They were just going on about how, you know, they were discussing whether or not they could they could actually vote for Trump again. But they felt good about voting for DeSantis. That's
0: it. That's the whole party. That's what the January 6th hearings were about. Mitch McConnell wants Democrats to solve his Trump problem and just let Ron DeSantis be president. And I don't know if Democrats have figured out that they're not actually threatened by Trump anymore. They're threatened by Ron DeSantis. Everything we care about, climate legislation, women's reproductive freedoms, a living wage, union protections, Uh, free speech. free speech i mean corporate free speech every issue we're fighting about ron desantis is a greater threat to voting rights and covid health and safety than donald trump ever will have a chance to be again
2: oh what he's doing down to the the colleges in florida is is fucking frightening as a college professor i find it, it it terrifying the way that they are wanting to end classes that bring up anything to do with the racist history uh, of the United States or or racism at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that and that 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 it is he is absolutely they talk about canceling speech. They are literally canceling classes because they fear repercussions because the, they think the government won't like their speech. The colleges are scared to death because what the law they passed says that they could lose their state funding, which would be it for any college. And now he's put Christopher fucking Rufo on the board of a of a (sighs) liberal arts college that Mm -hmm. fucking skeevy language contorting motherfucker i mean (laughs) the one the the reason that we even have the debate over uh over over critical race theory the reason we're even having All all of the talk about grooming and uh and and about you know trans uh trans americans is that that guy and now he's on the board of a college
0: Wow. Yeah. But you know what, Lee? Honestly, that's what those colleges get for helping Joe Biden steal all those top secret documents that were so important because he was vice president. So it balances out in the end, doesn't it? You know it?
2: what? You know what? It can't. But it can't Biden
0: today with his mind declassify? Yes, them? That's I was saying this earlier in the show. If If we if there is precedent that a president can declassify anything with their mind. I mean, then Biden has probably already unclassified those. And Jimmy Carter can reclassify Trump's shit. That's how I'm spinning it. Very good. I like that. I like you that. You want to talk to some of our evil army of the nightly? We have a lot of people on hold who want to weigh in. Always love your listeners. Good, because I also want to talk to you about the Katie Porter controversy. Some of our Democrat oh. friends we love in California are not happy about today's announcement. Let's go to Sela in Texas. Hey, welcome, Sela. You're on with Root Pundit.
4: Hey, you guys. Love Hi. you, Lee. I'm from Louisiana, too, so... I got oh Greg, I'm shit. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, anyway, I thought it was kind of cosmic tonight to have Natalie and Rude on because mm-hmm. her thing is like, don't say that, and his thing yeah. is like shit
0: you can't say, say and Yes. And shit yeah. You
4: need to say. So <laughs> it's it you need to say. So I called him, I guess Friday night during the vote, and I said that Matt Gaze was the Messer Formage for the cave people of the butt cheese clan. Yes. And I felt kind of bad because I used the word butt cheese because I don't know. I think that's an old. My, my teenagers taught me that back in like okay. 1997 and okay. 2002. And one of them was in theater, too, and she was hilarious. But um, anyway, so I wanted. You felt, <laughs> why did you
0: feel bad? Did you feel that you were being like unfairly offensive to butt cheese by comparing it to Matt Gates? Because I I want you to release that pain. It's okay. What what, yeah. <laughs> what made you feel bad?
4: No, I thought it was maybe it was a little rude. I don't care okay. about Matt Gates. But well, but okay. and I was all also I was uh, I want, I didn't know if I should use butt cheese or dick cheese and dick cheese kind of grossed me out. So I went with butt cheese.
0: I'm going to go to Root Pundit on this. Lee, Lee I, I think dick that's cheese. That's what I mean. We're ta- we're I, talking need, Matt, we're I need talking Matt Gates. I got to go to the umpire. <laughs> Lee, it's Matt Gates. It's it's dick <laughs> cheese, I gotta right?
2: You, I got to tell you, Matt Gates is more of a dick cheese. That's I think. it. That's I, it. I'm okay. sorry. Sila,
0: there it is. Yeah. I know yeah. it's not pleasant. I'm going to throw a flag on the butt cheese
4: of the dick cheese.
0: We will never lie to you, Sila. We're here for truth.
4: Okay. Thank you. I feel better now
0: Good, you should. We're Go here spread to that dick, cheese.
4: <laughs> Good night.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Listen, you know what? I'm sorry, Matt Gates, but it couldn't happen to a nicer alleged predator. 866-997-4748. Okay, Lee, I, I want to play a little bit of Katie Porter's uh, announcement today that she is not waiting for Dianne Feinstein to announce whether she's retiring or not. Diane Feinstein who will be ninety on election day. She'll announce, we, she'll announce after the election. We we do not like ageism here at Sirius XM Progress. Sorry, ageism I'm sorry. Is, I I i I listen, it's okay. I do it myself. Ageism is the one ism that we're all guilty of. Liberals do it too. Uh but it's very different in this case when you know that someone, shall we say, is suffering. But also um Diane Feinstein is not the most liberal member of the Senate, and that's something that needs to be talked about. Here's a little bit: Katie Porter announcing today that she's going to run for this Senate, whether Feinstein's running or not.
1: We're living through a time of extraordinary change. I'm Katie Porter. Change can be electrifying and exhilarating, but change can also be disruptive and disorienting, like the constant assault on our democracy and the dangerous imbalance in our economy. Too often, this disruption is coming from within. They used to call the United States Senate the world's greatest deliberative body. Yeah, well, if that were ever true to begin with, that has changed too. The threat from so-called leaders like Mitch McConnell has too often made the United States Senate the place where rights get revoked, special interests get rewarded, and our democracy gets rigged. As Boom. Californians, we That is uh, Katie we won't Porter. The video goes
0: on for up. a couple of minutes, but I wanted to play just a bit of it. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I love Adam Schiff. He's come on stage with us at Sexy Liberal Shows. Uh, his team wasn't happy about this. A lot of people in uh, the Democratic Party are saying that Representative Porter should have waited until Feinstein made an announcement. I, I don't see how that works. I think anyone's allowed to run for any office whenever they want.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, and, you know, having said a Feinstein slam, let me also say she's been a a huge ally to the LGBTQ community. Absolutely. you know, from 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 being there when Harvey Milk was shot, you know,
0: that's right. No, listen, taking nothing away from her, her yeah. many good achievements. And we've yeah, criticized yeah. her over the years for the funds and the money and the war yeah, and the yeah. weapons. But support also and all abortion that, but rights. John, she's been a she's so been an abortion. Been a, rights an Yes, advocate Chris, for abortion you want to get rights, in but on it, this? But look, Hang for, on. For, Chris is in. Intru- go ahead, Chris. For 600 years, she stood in that cave and guarded the Holy Grail. She has earned her spot in the Senate. Okay, see that's 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 ageist as well. Um, and yeah, it's also that, that. it's also unfair because that was George Santos doing that for six hundred years, guarding that grail. Yeah, so yeah, give yeah, him his yeah. Due.
2: Well, it's yeah. on his resume. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he campaigned on it and nobody called him on it.
0: I mean, I don't I don't wish for for Senator Feinstein to leave under any kind of cloud of darkness. And obviously there have been so many reports uh, about her, her cognitive abilities, fair or otherwise, Um, you know, and and look, I get infuriated when I see people throwing that around about Joe Biden. You know, 80 is I mean, Martin Scorsese and Harrison Ford are all 82. So so we're mindful of this, but i'm sorry you see you
2: see you see biden in interviews and it's like just shut the hell up obviously obviously well, but, he, he's but he's there. old he's old he's old he, no no i'm I, saying shut up he's there yeah, you know, He's there. He's, he's, Cognitively, he he is there. I mean, he's cognitively
0: there. He might have a have a have a, you know, faux pas every now and then. Maybe he takes a nap. That's cool. But he's very much there. Just listen to Biden do an interview about climate science. And I'm amazed at how he's like a kid when he talks about it. Uh, Whether Feinstein, but whether Feinstein has cognitive decline or not, Katie Porter has every right to go ahead and challenge her in a primary absolutely absolutely in fact i think it's good for the
2: party to have those kinds of challenges for a long established figure you know i mean especially for somebody star stars on the rise like katie porter the other thing adam Schiff said that i thought was a little too far was like don't announce in the middle of a uh, of a natural disaster and mm. uh and again i love what adam Schiff does on the on the intelligence committee and all and 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 what he did on the special committee for january 6th but it's like One of her big issues is climate change. Katie Porter, she's been she's been speaking out about it. It's like when you have these biblical floods that are directly caused by climate change, I think it's kind of a perfect moment for her to announce and say and say, here's something that uh, that California that I
0: have directly been confronting that you are seeing now. Lee Papa, it is such a joy having you class up the joint around here. What's the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with all your brilliance and fire?
2: You can always follow me on Twitter. I'm still there at Rude Pundit. You know what? You can actually do me do me on Mastodon. Same thing. Post the same thing. And Patreon. Uh, uh, Patreon. I you can you can you can give me money on Patreon starting at a dollar a month for extra rude posts. Uh, <laughs> Patreon.com/slash Rude Pundit. You can uh, blog. I still blog. I still blog. pundit.blogspot.com And I have an Instagram. Rude Pundit.
0: Facebook, the rude pundit, threw, threw in that one as a curveball. Thank you for joining us, Lee. Happy New Year. We'll see you next week. It's so good to have you with us. Have a great evening, and thank you all for listening. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Owen, for helping us out tonight. Hope you're enjoying Vacation Thea. I'm John Fuglesang. Keep it tuned to SiriusXM Progress. Tomorrow night, Bob Sesk is back. Heath Price is back. And then Sybil Shepard is coming back. Man, I'm going to flirt so hard with her. You'll be hearing about it in HR. Okay, thank you guys for being with us. Keep it tuned to Progress all day long, starting with Zerlina in the mornings. We will be here tomorrow night. Peace.